everyone. Welcome to episode 55 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So apologies for this one being a bit late uh, from last week. Actually, it's all basically slipped into next week, by uh, at least for me anyway, in Australia. So yeah, apologies for that. Uh, hopefully this week we will get the episode out more timely. But anyway, this week we've got 49 different CVEs that we're going to look at for the supported Ubuntu releases. And Joe and I are going to have a chat about uh, a recent announcement from the FBI warning people about smart TVs and the vulnerabilities that they could uh, inadvertently be presenting to them when you are you know, snapping up these new devices during uh, Black Friday and other sales. All right, so let's just get into it. So as I said in the past week, there have been 49 different CVEs that have been addressed by the Ubuntu security team. The first of these is in the NSS library. This is the crypto library developed by Mozilla and used primarily by Firefox, but also a bunch of other um, libraries and uh, applications as well for doing crypto. Uh, there was a single CVE that we fixed for all the supported Ubuntu releases, which is precise and trusty extended security maintenance. Uh, so if you're an extended security maintenance customer, you would have got this. Uh, also as well for Xenial and Bionic, the two long-term support releases, and Disco and Eowyn, our two standard support releases. And in particular here, there was an out-of-bounds right if you had specified an output buffer smaller than the block size uh, for the uh, NSC encrypt update function. So if essentially you're doing uh, block size crypto, but you specified a buffer that was smaller than the block size, which you know, is highly unlikely to have actually happened. Uh, but obviously, if you have an application uh, that did do that, it would have potentially written beyond the bounds of that uh, using the block size. So you'd get maybe up to you know 16 bytes or something, depending on how big the block size is for the cipher you're using. Uh, so yeah, that was fixed for NSS. We also had an update for PSUtil, so one CVE that was fixed for the standard uh, Ubuntu releases, which is Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. This was a double free due to mishandling of reference counting when handling certain uh, errors during conversion of system data into Python objects. And so PSUtil is a Python library for uh, doing you know, various system related stats and that kind of thing. And in this case, you could trigger it if you had a malicious disk partition label with an invalid character. And if that failed to decode uh, properly as Unicode, then it would uh, signal an error. And then in this case, you'd get this double free when it went to clean up and you know, inadvertently free this same thing twice. So yeah, it could potentially be exploited, as I say, because you could have a malicious disk partition and so you would need to you know, be able to do that. But I guess with modern uh, USB devices and hot plug and all of that, yeah, that stuff could happen uh, quite easily. So yeah, that was fixed for PSU tool. We also had an update for SQLite, six different CVEs for uh, precise extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. Uh, a lot of these were low priority. They were various robustness updates for SQLite and these actually came out of fixes for other CVEs, essentially, other, sorry, for other packages that were using SQLite, things like Chromium uh, and, and others. They would misuse different APIs of SQLite and so these fixes were really to make SQLite more tolerant if it had you know, misuse, basically, of if it was being misused. Uh, but there was also a fix for a uh, possible crash in SQLite uh, under a particular usage scenario. So this would result in a denial of service as a result to, you know, to SQLite or the application that was using it. We also had updates for the Linux kernel. In particular, uh, we had an update to the kernel in Eowyn, that's version 5.3, and that's also used for the uh, GCP Edge kernel in Phionic. Uh, 12 different CVEs that were fixed here. And I'll go through this one first because a lot of these CVEs are also fixed in other kernel updates that I'll be covering a bit later. 
So there was a buffer overflow in the Wi-Fi driver stack, and this could potentially be triggered by a remote Wi-Fi user who's in obviously Wi-Fi range to you. So there's an Ubuntu specific bug in OverlayFS and ShiftFS and how these were used in conjunction with AUFS. And so ShiftFS, that's a new file system that has been developed by the LXD team here at Canonical and that will likely be being upstreamed at some point. Uh, but it allows essentially different user and group ID mappings to be done within a container compared to the host and sort of doing that quite nicely. And uh, there were various ways that this could be combined with AUFS, the um, overlay file system, and or the actual overlay file system itself. So if you were to use these different file systems in conjunction with each other, there could be different um, reference counting issues, particularly when doing various memory maps or various memory mapping operations. And because uh, these are designed to be used by unprivileged users, you could have a local user be able to trigger that. And so because it's a, uh, I think it was a user after free, due to the reference counting issue, you could potentially get code execution, but at least a crash from an unprivileged user. There was also a bunch of memory leaks that were rolled into this kernel update, or fixed, should I say, there were a bunch of fixes for memory leaks rolled into this kernel update. And these were in a heap of different drivers. So the AMD Display Engine, uh, Qualcomm Fast RPC, the Cascoder uh, CA8210 Spy uh, 802.15.4 wireless controller, the AMD Audio Coprocessor, co uh, the Intel OPA Gen 1 InfiniBand driver, uh, the ADA 16400 IIO IMU driver, the VirtualBox guest driver, and finally the ARM uh, Kamita display driver as well. So different uh, memory leaks that were fixed in these. A lot of these were in various error scenarios. It would allocate memory in a number of steps. And so if a later memory allocation failed, the earlier ones weren't cleaned up. And you know, so it's a low probability that you could actually exploit this, but yeah, they were rolled in as fixes as well. We also updated the kernel in Disco. That's a 5.0 kernel, and that's used as the hardware enablement kernel at the moment in uh, Bionic 18.04 long-term support release. And uh, in particular, three different CVEs that were fixed in that. Uh, there was a memory leak in the Netronome NFP 4000 or NFP 6000 driver. Uh, there was a buffer overflow in the 8.2.11 uh, Wi-Fi config interface. So this is uh, through the Netlink uh, interface for doing uh, configuration of you know your Wi-Fi drivers and devices and able to be triggered only by a local user then. And also the OverlayFS and ShiftFS issue that I discussed earlier for the Eon kernel was fixed in the Disco kernel as well. Up next, we updated the kernel in Bionic, that is uh, the 4.15 kernel, and this is also used as the hardware enablement kernel for Xenial if you're running 16.04 long-term support. Uh, six different CVEs that were fixed here, and all of these I have mentioned previously. So that was the Wi-Fi stack buffer overflow uh, that could be triggered by a remote user, the Wi-Fi config buffer overflow that could be triggered by a local user, and a bunch of the memory leaks that I discussed. So that was for uh, the Cascada uh, CA8210, uh, Intel OPA InfiniBand driver, and the ADIS uh, 16400 IMU driver. Okay, and rounding up the kernel updates, we updated the kernel in Xenial. So that's uh, 4.4 kernel, and that's used as the uh, hardware enablement kernel in Trusty Extended Security Maintenance. In this case, there was the Wi-Fi stack buffer overflow that could be triggered by a remote user that was backported to that. And there was a separate issue that was a possible infinite loop in the CFS scheduler, and this was able to be triggered by a local user. And so you could get the scheduler to hit an infinite loop and therefore get a denial of service of uh, the CPU. And that's it for kernel updates. So we've got a few more to go through here. Uh, we had an update for Graphics Magic, 10 different CVEs that were fixed for Xenial, that's 16.04. 
Uh, these are the usual sorts of things that we see in these large C code bases and the usual kind of memory management issues that result um, and you know, handling obviously various complicated image formats and the, uh, the like, there are you know, likely to be different vulnerabilities. As I say, we see this in uh, other similar applications like Image Magic that I've mentioned a bunch of times, but yeah, Graphics Magic, which is the Image Magic fork at its own. Uh, so there was an out of bounds read. There was various different um, memory allocation failures that you could then trigger a crash and resulting in denial of service. There was a null pointer to your reference. Uh, there was also a heat buffer overflow if you're handling RGB images with multiple frames that had non-identical widths, so it would assume that all frames had the same width and you could then you know, overflow this buffer on the heap if you had, uh, say, uh, larger frames. There was a use after free via crafted MNG image. Uh, there could also be uh, resource consumption, so essentially a memory leak via crafted JPEG, which uh, specified invalid scan lines. Uh, so it would essentially allocate all that memory up front and then it would go to parse the scan lines and they would be invalid and so it wouldn't actually use that. And finally, there were a heap of different memory leaks. So these could lead to uh, obviously memory exhaustion and you could get a denial of service as a result when the application crashes as a result of running out of memory. We also updated Graphics Magic in Bionic. There were 13 different CVs for that. I'm not going to go through those because they are almost a carbon copy of the ones I just mentioned because, as I say, these very similar issues. We updated uh, PostgreSQL Common in Trusty Extended Security Maintenance. Uh, as I mentioned back in episode 54, this is a Debian-specific package. Uh, it can lead to possible privilege escalation as a result. So that's been fixed. And finally, we released a, a reversion actually for uh, part of the Intel microcode that was updated recently. So uh, this affects all of Trusty Extended Security Maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. We'd updated to the latest Intel microcode uh, for some recent vulnerabilities or to help fix those. And it was discovered that for a particular Intel processor uh, family, this, uh, one of the more recent Skylake ones, uh, that you could result in a hang on a warm reboot. And this isn't something that is Ubuntu specific. Uh, this is actually being tracked upstream by Intel. And I've got a link in the show notes if you want to go and read uh, the details of that to their GitHub issue tracker. Uh, but yeah, we've reverted the, update, the microcode update solely for those um, or for that one particular microcode um, file that applies to those particular uh, processor revisions. However, all the rest of the Intel microcode of recent microcode updates are still uh, being shipped. And that's it for security updates for this week. Up next, uh, Joe and I had a chat about uh, some a recent announcement from the FBI around smart TVs. Hey Joe, how's things? It's been a couple weeks since uh, we've done one of these, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We had um, some travel for our uh for our planning meetings and in the u.s we had the um thanksgiving holiday and now we're back to talk about um geez we're going to talk about um how the fbi issued a warning for smart tvs yeah so i guess as you said it was thanksgiving and black friday and cyber monday actually out of interest we are starting to shops over here in Australia are starting to do Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales, even though obviously we don't have the Thanksgiving preceding it. So that's um, just <laughs> a funny thing. Uh, it's just Australia for you. Uh, but anyway, so yes, but in, in uh, I guess, the wake of that, um, the predicted rush on people buying uh, potentially uh, questionable security-wise um, TVs and other you know smart devices, the FBI in uh, released this advisory that people, sh I guess, should be aware that 
TVs can be or smart TVs can be a threat vector for them. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Because you have it's you know it's a computer, it's running, it's running an OS for the most part, an OS that usually doesn't get updated, um, and it's on your network. And most people just have a flat Wi-Fi network that everything's on. Um, so if your laptop were to get infected, it would have to, um, and it were, and it were, the same, I guess would say it would, it would be um, uh, malware that would um, try to attack other. Um, other machines, you know, spread uh, self-replicating. It would, um, it could compromise your TV. Um, there's a few ways you can mitigate this, right? Like, well, I guess one thing would be like some people apparently are putting their TVs directly on the internet with no firewall in front of them, which I yeah. guess is a thing. I guess that's. I mean, that, that, that's a tough one, right? I guess I would hope that most home routers, you know, they're running at least with NAT on and yes, mm-hmm. a default closed firewall so that you have some basic protection from direct, you know, direct mm-hmm. attacks against the device. You know, if it is something that is, uh, you know, if your smart TV obviously is reaching out to Netflix or whatever, because that's what it will mm-hmm. do, right? That's one thing. But if it's um, some of these, I think the uh, previous advisories have been about how they phone home, uh, mm-hmm. back to the manufacturer, uh, things like that are maybe a bit trickier because then you don't know maybe what those services are. It's not necessarily just, you know, HTTP or you know, something similar, right? Or the, the streaming network protocols that you actually see back to the uh, the media companies. Uh, could be all kinds of random, you know, homegrown things that could leave it vulnerable to attack. Yeah, I think, you know, I have a, um, a Samsung TV um, and it is a smart TV which I'm actually regretting buying because the startup time for the smart part to actually start is way too long where my Roku just starts immediately. Um, and my Roku does get pretty often updates. But um, my my smart TV, I was curious because I had, um, I was like, well, what's it doing? So in, in my network, I have a VLAN for my IoT stuff. I have a VLAN for my um, my TVs. And their related TV things like the Roku's, um, and then I have a um, a VLAN for phones and tablets and laptops, and then a VLAN just for my uh, my work machine because I work from home and it has um, uh, QoS on it, so I'll always get um, priority. So like when we're recording this podcast, things don't t- uh, things don't try to um, reduce my bandwidth. But I was like, well, why is there always traffic on my um, on my my I'll say entertainment VLAN. So ran to speed dump and I saw my TV was phoning home. And then I Googled it, of course, and found out that yes, that TV does that and it's supposed to do some sort of usage usage statistics and it's supposed to supposed to be anonymized, but I tend to not trust that. So I um it was using DNS. So I in that in that network I reply with bogus DNS, so that'll never work. And I also turned it off in the TV because um, there was a setting for that after I Googled it. But I assume that, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, that randomly got turned back on when I lost power or something happened, right? So you can do a bunch of things to protect this environment, right? Because you've got these machines that aren't getting updates. You don't really know what they're doing. They are phoning home. So I say the first thing that I would do if you have a home uh, wireless network that is on is create a separate VLAN for your for your IoT stuff like this, um, and then maybe I mean you have to let outbound traffic right because you can't just block all outbound because yeah. you have to get a Netflix 
we got to go to Hulu. <laughs> uh, and you had to figure out, well, what can I block? Um, so it would be interesting maybe if you ran TCP dump or if you ran, um, you know, some sort of flow gathering, see what it is doing. But um, also turn off any feature you can turn off where it is going outbound like that. Um, make sure that that is firewalled. Um, if there is a way to turn on updates, make sure that can happen. Although I think like on that TV, the only update it gets on the one I have is like new channels. It never gets a new OS. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I guess that is the problem with IoT in general that you you know you buy a device and it's an appliance and the money for the uh, the product maker really isn't just selling you that device, right? It's it's extra cost for them to do software updates and things like that. But better to them that they can just sell you a whole new TV, right? Rather than software upgrades to that one. And yeah, we've got an old one of the sort of earlier generation um, Samsung. Yeah, Samsung smart TVs. Uh, it's not very smart. Uh, it has a very long, like yours, a long boot up time for the smart features. And uh, I think it's had one or two software updates. Um, and I have no idea what they did, you know, what those updates contained. Mm -hmm. It just says, hey, there's an update to this. Uh, yeah, and it is something that um, I guess, yeah, I'd like to, well, I like to think that I've got a reasonably hardened network configuration like your own although i don't have as many separate vlans but uh so i'd like to think that it's reasonably so you uh, have a reasonable safe. number of vlans <laughs> i uh, might have gone but... overboard with my vlaning <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know you just don't know do you and it's it's hard as a consumer because particularly for the average consumer you know why should an average consumer have to set up vlans they shouldn't even have to know what a vlan is if this um and it, I guess it comes back to, I wonder whether we'll start seeing more regulation around um, IoT or just um, security as a thing. You know, will there be a, whether by the market will dictate because more secure devices will actually be the ones that are sold more and that consumers will prefer security. Although I don't think that's uh, ever going to really happen because so far, you know, what's the worst case that happens? Your TV gets hacked and it becomes part of a botnet. I mean, sorry, that's not the worst case, but it's the most likely case, right? Yep. And if it's part of well, botnet, maybe you just see degraded network, you know, functionality on your home network, right? Because it's just chewing up all the bandwidth and the TV runs a bit slower. To that point, though, there was a really interesting, um, I was at a, uh, a working group meeting uh, for uh, for telcos. And um, one of the discussions they were having, so this was telcos and ISPs, etc. Um, should the router they provide have a separate provisioned Wi-Fi network just for your connected devices. Yep. And they, since they're providing the router, would be able to detect things like botnet behavior and block it down remotely. Hmm. And they were saying, sh you know, should we do that for the good, uh, you know, a, a good of the commons? Yep. Um, but also, you know, just like, the, just like the, the tragedy of the commons, right? If you use too much, you're going to affect other things. Yeah. So um, that's, they were, they were doing it out of self-interest, not just pure, pure altruism. But I thought that was a really interesting discussion. Like, do should they be able to do that if they're providing the VLAN? I'm sorry, they're providing the Wi-Fi network yeah. and the and the device. And I thought that was a, actually a really interesting solution because it kind of takes the 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 responsibility out of the consumer who doesn't care and puts it back on the um, ISP, who's the one really being affected by it. But to your to, to your example, you know, the most common thing really is a botnet, or maybe they're just going to denial, they're going to brick it or something. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a more um, uh, there's a more alarming use case, which is some of these TVs have cameras and speakers and they can be used to spy on you. Yep. And that obviously nobody would want. But I mean, spying a TV with a camera on it. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, that kind of stuff. Tape over it. <laughs> yeah, and I, what I hadn't thought about that just now that you've said it is I actually wonder whether that would be a, a good attack um, target for corporations. You know, lots of corporations in their boardrooms would probably have a smart TV that they would you know use for their um, teleconferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine if you could actually hack that, uh, that would make a pretty good. <laughs> And, you know, you could spy um, on there, yeah, the corporate meetings. So anyway, yeah. Yep, and there are some reports about. Um, is it, so Polycom had a CV where this could happen, um, and I believe Cisco might have had one as well. And um, when I was working uh, on on government contracts, we had those things in our in our in our rooms, but we also had these little cones of silence you could stick over them when you had a meeting and you didn't want them on, oh, yeah. yep. which was kind of kind of a cool little thing and. You know, there was, I thought it was a pretty good compromise. Although I think in our use case, they were, um, they were office to office over, over, a v, uh, over a hardware VPN. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, that's what it was. Well, let's but I think, um, safer. yeah, I hope. Anyhow, um, so anyhow, if you've bought yourself a smart TV, um, see if there's an update, turn off the logging. And since you've got a Samsung, Alex, have you turned on off that uh, phone home thing? And I haven't even looked at it. So well, you got to find it. Um, and so it's, and we were into this stuff and you didn't know, know about it. I didn't know about it until I saw the lights blinking on the, on the, on the router. Like, yeah. What's that? Um, so yeah, so that should show you that most people also aren't thinking about it. And we nerd out on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's what worries me, right? And, you know, we can say, oh, you know, set up VLANs and stuff, but that's not... That should not be what um, you have to do, right? To be secure, mm-hmm. you should be able to be secure out of the box, and it should be, mm-hmm. you know, you should have to go out of your way to be insecure, right? Um, it'd be like, you know, you buy a house, you know, you're not going to buy a house that doesn't have locks, right? And so, why should our devices be similarly just open and um, exposing us to all kinds of threats when it's a lot of these hardening things aren't? Um, they're not terribly difficult. You know, it's it's because the market doesn't demand it, and so I, like I said before, I wonder whether it will take regulation that um, you know. To, and I, we are starting to see some of this. I think even some of the GDPR stuff calls for you know devices can't have hard coded credentials and things like that. So there are um, you know regulation is starting to I guess affect some of these things, but there's only so much you can uh, prescribe. I think uh, yes. So it does make it tricky. And I think the market should be able to um, to define this, not any government regulation, to be honest. So if the market yeah. gets far enough along, then um, then this can happen. Yeah, um, I agree. But how do you? Yes, the, the question then: How do you make the market, or how do you make it sensitive to the, of poor security, right? So that security is a differentiator. And I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't say this thing, right? I think of I think of Volvo and cars, right? Yep. Remember Volvo is you'd buy one third in the I don't know in the eighties and nineties because they were the super safe cars, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and there wasn't really, I don't think there was much of a market interest in safe cars, but they made it one by having cr- crash test ratings, which aren't really a government regulate. You know, it's yep. So I think sort of making that happen, but as you said, it needs to be enough people to make this. Um, something people care about and there has mm. to eventually it has to people either adopting these open source standards or open not open source but open standards yep. or the market demanding it and so far as you said the market is not demanding it yeah anyway. which is a shame but yes maybe yes. It, it does take something like a third-party body to come along and try to rate devices so that that then becomes mm-hmm. a marketing factor that yes we are approved by the you know 
internet assurance agency or whatever this you know hypothetical <laughs> body is <laughs> totally yeah the, the elders of the internet that's yeah. that that's my um uh, that's my it crowd reference for today i just try to put one in and every call from now on but i think we've covered that pretty good yeah. everybody thanks for bearing with us last week when we didn't have a um a call uh our podcast, I mean, we were, we were out of the office. Well, I was out of the office. And um, we'll have a few more before the end of the year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Okay. So that takes us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks again, everyone, for listening and uh, for yeah, picking this one up a little bit later. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in contact with us and share your thoughts with us on all things security and Ubuntu, you can email us at security at Ubuntu.com. Or if you want to come and discuss with us in a more public setting, uh, there is the Ubuntu Hardened mailing list or there's the Ubuntu Hardened uh, channel on Freenode uh, IRC. Or we also have a section on discourse.ubuntu.com for discussing security things. And finally, if you like Twitter, you can find us at Ubuntu underscore sec on Twitter. Okay, uh, so thanks everyone again for listening for another week. Uh, let's hope we get this week's episode out a bit, uh, oh, a bit, a bit quicker. Uh, but until then, uh, remember, keep calm and enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you soon. Bye.